my earliest memory I was on a plane and the air hostess was a bit annoyed and I think I said something sarcastic and she started laughing and I was like that's kind of powerful this conversation talks about lots of things including racism Islamophobia misogyny and violence it doesn't cover any of those subjects in a particularly heavy way but it's something that I'd like you to be aware of when going in I'm from East London and when the three girls from Bethnal Green went out um, I was kind of really surprised because I was thinking give or take a few years that was me right a British born Muslim girl but if it had been a white girl or a white group of girls there would have been a lot of sympathy Mm. and it would have been different so I just wanted to really understand so I did a lot of research and spoke to loads of different journalists lawyers academics schools teachers and tried to find out what, what life for them would be like hello I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Sadia. Hello Sadia. Hi, hi everybody. Thank you for listening and thank you for having me Dave. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And it's always a kind of sort of slightly surreal thing to kind of launch into the start of the show with somebody who I've already been talking with and then I'm like, hello. I'm like, we've already (laughs) said hello. So that's always a bit weird. The first question that I ask everybody is how do you know me? I know you. I really wish I remembered. Okay, so there was this sex thing. Yeah. And um, I was asked by you kindly yeah. to be a guest. And we, we're obviously Twitter followers. So I know you from your podcast. And I think you followed me when you heard me on Sophie's M- Made of Human that's podcast. That's right. So. Yeah. Not bad memory, actually. No, that's great. And I, I mean, I love Sophie's show, like Made of Human. Like, it's also like I've got a complicated relationship with it because I love what Sophie does. I love her show. But also her show kind of does what my show does. Yes. But like five or six years after I've been doing it. And like, because Sophie's kind of got much more of a, well, she's much more known. Uh, Her show's like taken off in like a really big way, which I love. And it's great to see that people like the kind of thing I do. It's slightly (laughs) frustrating. And it's even got like, uh, like, lyrics in the t- in this song at the beginning about getting better like so it's kind yes. of like really re- uh, resonates with what I do but also makes me feel comedy <laughs> but I love what Sophie does and yeah I listened to you on that show and was like wow you're great but also like I was at that time I was working out who to approach to be judges for that sex thing oh, yes, like you yes, say yes. Uh, Smut Slam which oh, is like a go. true That's storytelling it. open mic around sex that that was is hosted by somebody else, not by me. I'm like the co-producer. Mm. Like my brief was like make the judge panels as kind of intersectional as possible, if yeah. you like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That shouldn't be hard. I've run mixed bill shows and got quite diverse lineups yeah. in the past. Like yeah. initially, it wasn't that easy because I was limited to my social groups and I didn't, didn't even have a foot in the arts. Mm. But after a while, I got it down and I was like, yeah, I'll be able to do that. But then it's, it's a very specific night. And that actually, I found out that, that like really reduced the amount of uh, different people like I could reach out to because loads okay. of them would be like, yeah, but that's not really what I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also, one of the things I really wanted to do was to have people on that judging panel that the audience would come in through the door and look at and go, 
hang on, like, should they be like, uh, like, so I, I reached out to a, a, a friend of mine who's a priest, a Church of England priest, and he said yes, and I was like, yes, this is the best. And he's, he's also black, so I was like ticking two boxes. I was like, yes. Um, and then his bishop said no, right? Aww. Which I think is quite funny because it's a sex-based night and the bishop said no, right? It's got like bashing <laughs> the bishop connotations. But like you were like within that, like one of the things I, I thought, yeah, you're a comedian, so you can, you can judge storytelling, no problem. Yeah. But also you were talking about like relationships relationships and sex and stuff like that within that uh, conversation and you wear uh, well you wear a head headscarf a hijab yeah. right so you wear that and I thought wow like perfect like that's going to really challenge like the preconceptions of the people yeah. coming in through the door so I was really pleased that you came along oh. um but but also yeah like it is it is a harder night to feel diversely than like it, it's challenging me to like which is good yes. you know I should be challenged oh. god I should be challenged <laughs> yeah that's how we know each other and also I bumped into you like Spark London which is a true storytelling night I, I kind of am involved with I run the Hackney branch uh-huh. uh, we did some previews and we had Sophie's show yeah, and then I'm you were in the audience I'm right? a stalker I really wanted to see it and, and um, I, was, I was blown away it was so amazing and that was like great to see you there because I was like right now I, that, now I feel like we've met each other enough I can yeah, ask, invite yeah. oh, you to come no, on the show you ask me straight away yeah, I know, but... in terms of the priest I'm a bit surprised he had to ask the bishop I don't think he asked I think he mentioned <laughs> uh, it and actually I think it was less that the bishop was like I don't approve of you doing that show the bishop was thinking and this is something I think you, we, can, we can all relate to to a certain extent the bishop was thinking like smut slam priest yes. those words together taken by the daily mail is not going to be the uh, yeah. way we want this to look right. and so that and that's the thing it was really sad because it was like i do get that yes. i get why people in faith groups yeah. have to be careful about how they're going to be presented by the media right yeah. and you're in a faith group that's even more likely to be <laughs> misrepresented in the media well i have to say obviously this isn't about smart slam but the talent on that night when it was just phenomenal and they made it look so easy and <laughs> it's not always you know as, as easy but they the stories were really good and they all brought different kind of styles and it was lovely to watch so I had a, a really good time and you know I don't I, I think maybe I've become immune to the looks I probably got them because last time I had a friend visiting me from Canada and um, we were walking around Victoria and he he was like oh my god they're staring at you so badly and I wasn't the tourist he was so I think I, I probably did get a few but then I think people just kind of maybe uh, you know just enjoy themselves and forgot about once the stories loosen people up then they kind of like chilled out but in terms of what you're saying is you brought questions to my head is so you know you've been doing the podcast for a while do you feel pressured or was there a point where you had to you felt that you had to feel the diversity aspect and and how hard is that was that it was always your agenda from the beginning I'm sure on some level it might have been but when did you feel like god I need to do it and and do you feel like as a white guy do you feel like you have to do it that's what I mean (laughs) yeah I mean I think yes to all of those questions to extent. like yes as a white guy I do feel that I should be trying to provide platforms for people who are not like me uh, and use whatever social capital I've got and I've got loads of social capital, but also not as much as really successful white guys. So mm. I hope to be one day oh, no, more successful, so, so I can use, use. Well, I, well, I, I, I you know, I, I hope to get to a, a better position that I can platform people more successfully. Yes. Like give them a, a wider 
audience, pay them better, that kind yeah. of thing. It's hard though, and do you feel like it's a bit of a burden at times? I know well, that's a bit not, horrible question. I actually don't. No. I actually don't, but I get that some people do. Yeah, I yeah, don't. Yeah. But then, then I've got a complicated relationship with it. So I, I guess when I started getting better acquainted, I always wanted to have a diverse group of people on it. Yeah. But I wasn't thinking in those no, words. No, no, and no. what I was would have would have been thinking was I want to represent lots of different kinds of people. Yeah. And like everyone would have been something unique, yeah, exactly. doesn't it? Yeah. And I think I wasn't even thinking particularly like race or no, gender no, no, or no. any of these things. I was yeah. just like like one of the things I think is interesting and I I, I see it at Spark too, is is how interesting normal everyday non-famous people yeah, are right? yeah, yeah, and that was yeah. part of the the reason I started the show mm. but then as I've been doing the show I mean when I listen back to uh, the first year like 2011 version of me okay. I do not sign off on any of the things he says like I don't <laughs> agree with him he's wrong about so many things he's on a journey I sympathise with his journey but please nobody listen to him and think <laughs> oh that's what Dave thinks now that's not what Dave thinks no. now partly I think being with within the arts world and, and just the discussions that have been going on and the learning I've done really like listening to people who aren't me on Twitter places like that that's made that much more important to me but also all that to one side Mm. my niece is mixed race so I already have that issue if you like or not an issue it's just a a life experience and so the more and more as she's grown up as I've seen how she looks for like people like her and doesn't fight doesn't find them yeah um i've been like fuck you know i need to provide a a space where people like my niece can can go oh yeah that person's like me yeah and they've got a life and they they they, you know and it's not all and it's not defined necessarily by racism or stress as well like nice happy lives you know complicated lives but lives so it's not the exception that people of diversity have artistic expression it's just become slightly normal right Perhaps I say that tentatively because it's like you know a bit of a dream, but yeah, it's a dream. Think, it's not there. Yet. <laughs> yeah, but I feel I feel like um, on the other side of it, like I've heard that there's some guys, white guys, that feel like they've become the minority and they're a bit like mm, not disgruntled, but I feel like perhaps uh, feel like you know sometimes in life you feel like you've been left behind. Yeah. And I think it must be a bit of a struggle finding an identity for them. And I think with the onslaught of, of feminism, I'm not a feminist, uh, <laughs> on, with the onslaught of like radical feminism anyway, I think it's even harder for them to try and express things which may, may be interpreted by some as trivial, but is necessary, you know, is still, is still their truth and is still relevant and, 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 you know, okay for them to express. But I don't know. I don't know. I guess I don't know enough white men to <laughs> be able to do the, the statistical yeah. research. But I think then you lead into the kind of other extremes of Charlottesville, which, right. are, you right. know, where it's like um, perhaps they feel like they've been repressed for so long or that. And I'm not make, drawing a connection that, you know, if, if you don't let men speak or feminism is causing that, definitely not what I'm saying what I'm saying is that I think um, the media has been pretty pretty powerful over the last few years it seems to have taken a break on Muslims recently but I think it's um, been so so kind of uh, pointedly uh, against certain minority groups that people who are standing back doing nothing perhaps feel like on on even subconscious level that you know we need to do something to quote unquote save our country and and stuff like that so i think everybody needs to be able to kind of release and in some level so that there's kind of a balance and it doesn't lead to these fringes on society that feel them they have to take perhaps drastic action yeah i mean i know what you mean it's a really complicated yes uh, kind of situation and like mm. i do have 
some sympathy with some men mm-hmm. and less sympathy with other men, okay. depending on how they go about responding Manifest. to these things. And I also think, you know, some of it's about, well, we had all the cards and now they've been taken off us. Mm. And that kind of thing is like, well, you know, you had all the cards, you had an unfair advantage. And I get that it's surprising that you now have a less of an advantage, but... Yeah. At it's the same still a pretty. I'd still take their place. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, yeah. In a race, I'd still swap spaces with them. Right. So I don't think it's the half. The glass is half empty. No, at sure. All. But um, you know, I don't know whether they feel like that completely or just in some level. But I, I mean, personally, I'm not even a fan of the word diversity because I yeah, feel like it's yeah, distorted yeah. in companies, like not in the arts, because I feel like there's definitely a need, a gap that needs to be filled in. There's no other way of, of addressing that. By, but I think in other spheres, I think it's quite perhaps dangerous, like, you know, our jobs kind of, or the British jobs being outsourced to India and then creating disharmony and forcing us to have call centres with people that, you know, perhaps don't understand our culture um, or, does, you know, communicate in far too positive terms like I would definitely help you with your query today Dave and it's like we're kind of used to being miserable so it's kind of um, (laughs) it's a bit like what's wrong with you if you're happy I don't know but yeah I think um I think it's just sometimes it's like I think the people who need representation aren't the ones pushing the agenda which Mm. is always my concern when it's somebody else telling you you know the diversity and then it's frustrating when quotas are set because you end up competing with your own um you know and then it's like there's just less opportunities and rather than working together which perhaps would be a better win for everybody it's kind of you're competing against each other and it's not the same kind of happiness for you if if you do kind of push push through the the glass ceiling as it were yeah no I know what you mean and uh, I mean I I would define myself as a feminist I guess although although I wouldn't want like I wouldn't I don't think that's important like if somebody doesn't think I'm a feminist because I'm a man that's fine I don't want to get into some kind of argument with them it's like I see feminism more as a more as a process rather than an identity right yeah. i mean but i for shorthand i will identify yeah. as a feminist yeah. but but there are lots of different kinds of feminism and also when we're looking at men and i think men like it, it they're not a homogenous group either no. and so like i think it's there's definitely issues with feminism saying you know uh like men are useless or men are whatever when there's groups of men who are treated as useless by society anyway and they will also be hit in the crossfire Mm. you might be annoyed with a middle class white man Mm. but you might uh, be affecting the the self-confidence of a Muslim man or a black man Mm. or a working class man or a gay man or a trans man there are lots of men and so that that complicates it I think I would I agree with that point I think it's really um, nuanced and I don't think it's uh, it's aired enough Um, Um, What I would say, I think that sometimes the labels of feminist and all this political correctness, it stops us from kind of being open. And, you know, sometimes I think it stops men from talking about women the way that they perhaps would want to. And I think... If, if it doesn't get aired out, then it won't get resolved either. Right. And the same way, like, you know, I would love to, to trash men sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I would love to. But because of the feminist thing, I now can't because I don't want to look like a feminist. Because, like you say, there's different types of feminists. And unless you talk to someone, then you don't know whether you would agree with them or not. Because right. it is just kind of an abstract term until right. you kind of... But other people, like, people would just define it as equality. Within that case... 
I'm, I'm for course, it. Yeah. But other people have different definitions where they're kind of like anti-men, frankly. Some of them, yeah. yeah I mean, they, I'm not going to deny that. No. Like, there definitely are strands of feminism that I have massive problems with. Yeah. And not just anti-men, but anti-trans people. Yeah. Or oh, really? anti, And I'm sure anti-Muslim anti women, anti, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure that okay. as a Muslim woman <laughs> in the world, you get kind of some responses from feminists that are slightly patronising and suggesting that you haven't got agency yourself and things like that. Uh, definitely that <laughs> definitely that then I'm glad you, you you noticed it when a lot of people don't um, they think I should be grateful but also <laughs> with the like say for example it seems to be that feminists seem to be uh, switched on when it suits them so for example in France last year when there was the bikini ban Perhaps the uh, you know feminists went on holiday, but there wasn't much uh, kind of like sister sisterhood or you know standing up for the cause, um, right. you know. And it's so it's like when it's an issue that suits them. So I don't really. So so Trump said grab a woman by the pussy, and then they all went for a women's march in March, um, and that you know. But I kind of didn't really you know, and I just think it was to help them sleep better at night. And and frankly, I couldn't see what it's achieved, and. The problem with things like feminism is that there isn't a leader. So it's kind of a, a few bunch of people who feel that they have a few common goals and then they just go for a walk, kind of. Um, but I'm not really sure what it's achieved. And it, it feels like it is middle class white women. And definitely I feel like ethnic women don't kind of fit into it. And then we have to make some compromises in order to be accepted by their kind of version of feminism. Whereas, But, but yeah. that said, I would say that there are also low of feminists of colour there's yes. traditions of feminism yeah. uh, of colour going back for a lot like, like it's not like a recent thing yeah. like like, and so like the feminists that I look to are quite often like uh, people of colour like Bell Hooks is someone okay. who I find has spoken to me a lot about masculinity and being a man and, and and there are feminists who really understand that that the way that we construct like gender and isn't doesn't just hurt women it hurts men too it's really complicated that's kind of one of the things you're speaking to that yeah. men can't speak about their feelings no. they can't like address and I'm not saying this to defend I'm not saying no. I look at the men in Charlottesville and feel like we should give them a hug I don't <laughs> I do not and I think it's perfectly reasonable no. to punch those people um, you know on the should you punch a Nazi debate I'm like yeah you can it's not going to solve it necessarily it's not going to solve the world but I'm not going to judge someone for punching a Nazi I and I think it may them. come to a time when we might have to all punch Nazis I would like to annoy you know. them like I would really like to get in their face and just verbally like destroy them because I love to talk and argue and debate and I would love to be like why do you hate me like why and like you know because obviously the Lincoln statue was just defaced I don't know you probably saw it on Twitter today um, a derogatory kind of uh, slur against Islam and and I just want to I don't think that they really understand Islam and in terms of with feminists I think that the difficulty is is that I think they want you to kind of agree with everything that they stand for and sometimes it's kind of well you you wouldn't always do that right right but I mean that's that, that, I guess the thing is you like I guess some people have this with faith as well. Like yeah, you, yeah, you, you make it work for you. Like yeah. my part, like you 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 make your politics work for you, and yeah. and like you don't have to take every part of what everybody else says no. within feminism. You don't have to take whatever you know what every scholar says within uh, a faith group. You can yeah. you can there are you can pick and choose. You can have a personal relationship yes. with politics or with God or mm -hmm. with uh, you know w w whatever your thing is. You know. Yeah. So I think there's that. Yeah. But like. 
like so is it so yeah right so it's interesting and i think we'll we'll get back to some of these 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 really big issues like yeah. big really big topics um but we before, jumped right in Dave. yeah but before <laughs> before we do i'll ask you the second question that i ask everybody which is uh what do you do now so um i am a stand-up comedian and uh currently i'm writing a novel about ISIS and stuff but it's not really about obviously them um I did a lot of research in 2015 so basically I'm from East London and when the three girls from Bethnal Green went out um, I was kind of really surprised because I was thinking give or take a few years that was me right a British born Muslim girl I didn't wear the headscarf until after college so but obviously they they wore it at a young age so that's a, a little bit of a difference but I was wondering these girls or typically Asian teenagers Asian teenage girls are the most reliable they get the A stars <laughs> they do their homework they have the arranged marriage so for me it was fascinating why what the draw was for, for them to have gone to ISIS and then coupled with the fact that I feel uh, when they did go the response was was horrific it was like um, yep. don't let them back in the country yep. they're not british anyway and it was all i was i mean i don't mean to pick on white people but what i mean is if, if pick it, on what, white people if, you like. no, well i do enjoy it but i didn't want to like start straight away and then it would be like the whole thing was sadio on white people but <laughs> i'll start so but if it had been a white girl or white, a white group of girls there would have been a lot of sympathy mm. and it would have been different so i just wanted to really understand so i did a lot of research and spoke to loads of different journalists lawyers uh academics schools teachers and try to find out what what life for them would be like so that's what the what i'm writing is is a novel about some people who go out there and and what kind of leads up to to the decision to to go there and what happens so that's what i'm doing at the minute and i'm also going to be starting a podcast but it's not kind of all ironed out yet but soon hopefully and yeah i'm working on a show for edinburgh next year isn't every comedian so yeah i mean we're recording this during edinburgh this (laughs) year having this year off yes yeah, so I decided uh, I decided that you know with the novel and stuff I'll yeah. keep kind of my, my fingers in other pies but yeah I'm really excited about the show I'm writing but I won't say too much about it I've started and you know how it is I just need to kind of do more previews and, and kind of like still kind of flesh out a bit more but yeah so I'm excited about that I mean I remember I really remember very viscerally when that happened and the okay. response of the of the media yes. generally about those girls and I, I felt similar like mm. I, I used to work with the under fives uh, all around North London so I went into groups of like communities of all colours mm. and like I knew lots of like young Muslim children like under five and like when when people were talking about these girls who were teenagers like my nieces or whatever yeah. like they were talking about them like they were like they were like proper adults making decisions yeah. which I didn't think was particularly valid but even if they'd have been adults they're still human beings yeah like like that's a, that's a complexity like we, we're supposed to, like when Charlottesville happens, there's you know it's not been as bad as normal, but there'll be some people wringing their hands and saying we need to understand why these why these white men have this feeling. <laughs> but we didn't have that kind of response to young teenage uh, Muslim girls. Like yeah. what the fuck? And Grace Dent particularly, like there was like it was the liberals, it was the 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 ones writing for the Guardian and the Independent yeah. who were still like giving no, no empathy no, no. to there those women. Any, it really pissed from me off. Nowhere. It wasn't yeah. like, I mean, they wouldn't, like, I don't want to speak on their behalf, but, I, I mean, 
if they were going there and they saw the papers. It's really annoying because I read something recently where a girl's escaped, like um, in her early 20s, and she was trying to say that the two girls, obviously one has passed away, but they, 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 they used to always just look at themselves on the news and be quite excited about it. And I find it really hard to believe that that's what they were doing because my understanding is two of them wanted to leave, but obviously they weren't allowed to go. Right. So it's, it's irresponsible for, for people to make that statement. And I, I, I wonder, I question, if she was just making that statement to kind of get back in in good books with somebody or you know just slightly sensationalize it but it was a lot more complex uh, than than a lot of people give it credit for and you know like you say for for no one to appreciate that actually a teenage girl could make a mistake when right. you know at our age we're always making mistakes but you know we're more understanding of it and i feel that the government was quite harsh and it's kind of like washed its hand because it felt the betrayal of of from one of its citizens and therefore just felt like it had to make an example of them uh it was quite, obviously there were some boys from wales who also left and then they got killed by airstrikes so it feels like the country's stance is you know if it's it's either or and you know it's very quick to kind of just take away your nationality or freeze your assets and i'm not saying that i condone terrorism or anything like that that's definitely not um what i mean and obviously they have to take certain actions to make an example and make sure that they nip it in the bud as well so i get that but it was just that there wasn't any kind of humanity left towards them they were completely dehumanized and and actually terrorists are human right so uh they're just the Actually, I think that they're winning (laughs) as well. I think that we, the the non-terrorists, are are feeling like criminals and, you know, made to kind of do circus acts in airports and uh, wherever or not, like, you know, toothpaste is is not allowed, you know, on the plane and stuff like that. So we're the ones being, like, marginalised and and our rights are the ones being taken away, whereas they're kind of calling the shot, so... Well, um, it it basically recruits for them. Every time we have this kind of a reaction as a culture, it recruits for ISIS. Like, one of the factors that will have led to those girls going and joining ISIS will have been the kind of ways that we treat Muslims within society like Definitely. there are so many reasons like that's the other thing like people are like they betrayed us so it's like well why wouldn't you betray a country that's treating you like you're a terrorist already? Well, like, why wouldn't yeah. you choose that? Like, I'm not saying no, no, no. that everyone will, and I'm not saying that it's as simple as what I just said. But. No, but if they're already given that, sometimes, like, if, you know, if someone's already called me a thief, right. and it makes stealing, you know, a right, little right, bit right. more, you know, you've already thought about it a little bit, because you've kind of, like, especially when you're growing up, because then labels are really powerful and um, you don't understand the whole complex politics behind it. And it's just interesting the way that the media works and how at that time, like you said, it's very vivid in your memory about how kind of cruel it was. And, and it was horrible because it was like, I remember every Sunday on a paper, there'd be a picture of an ISIS guy trying to like dismember somebody. And it was just very gruesome. I think it was uncomfortable for everybody muslims and non-muslims because it must have been hard for non-muslims to know what was appropriate because one minute they're being told that we're you know such such like like uh, kind of dangerous or, or kind of weird or, or killers and they have to sit next to us on the tube like how do you how do you reconcile that and i think it was probably it was icky and then now although they're still there the media is being quite selective and and careful about the way that they um, report it and their focus seems to be on Trump rather than ISIS and 
I, I expect that the politics has always been there. It's tricky with Assad and Russia and then China and then America. So it's not straightforward. But right. it's like they pick and choose when to kind of throw in throw the gauntlet down and then that affects the way that we all act around each other and definitely there were people who who weren't into all that and then you know they they did humanize muslims but i think it was really difficult for those minority of non-muslims to feel comfortable because it felt like they were going against what they should be doing right but also i mean we we don't call all terrorists terrorists i mean that's part of the problem Uh, too yeah and i think if you look at like the most of the people who kind of get radicalized towards isis or uh, that kind or al-qaeda or that kind of area or we look at the you know the white nationalists in charlotteville like the the common the common thing is that they're men right it's, it's a big thing on twitter to say that you know when there is an attack against muslims oh he's not called a terrorist and whilst i get it I'm not a big kind of advocate of that because what the whole thing about terrorism it is strictly against Muslims and so you can have a bit of a moan about it but then nothing's changing and that's what the frustrating thing for me is is that we either have to I don't know man I think uh, terrorism has really kind of been exclusively reserved for Muslims I think I'm probably allowed to say that the word has been has been reserved for Muslims but not the acts. So okay. there have been there has been white a nationalist few, yeah, terrorists. Well, no, just yeah. underreported okay. and always called. We say uh, a lone. Yeah. Like, what do you, it's, it's they're lone a lone wolf, wolf right? Yeah, yes. But they've been radicalized by reading uh, far, like, right. far right <laughs> propaganda. Very similar kinds of propaganda. Yeah. Appealing to the same things in young men, like giving them an identity, giving them a sense of like all of the things that they're feeling oh, they no. haven't got, yeah. you know, because of whatever reasons. Mm. And I I see it as and it isn't it isn't. It isn't correct to say that terrorism is only perpetrated by men. That is not correct. There are plenty of women and are, <laughs> who, who, who are terrorists, but yeah. not, but still not, not, not the majority of, of terrorists. No. And also, I still think it's within a kind of patriarchal culture it's, around it. So even if you like, it's like you know, Theresa May might be a woman, but she's still like a patriarch to me. Yeah, like so, yeah, it, yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's not as simple as like men or women, but no. but definitely, it's a. I see it as a problem. It's a problem with humanity, but it's yeah. also a problem with masculinity. And so those are the things I'd like to see people talking about when terrorism happens, whatever the race of the people. Do you think that it. we need to negotiate with terrorists? Because I, my, another frustration I have is that, like, the situation in Syria, for example, President Obama, when he was around, was his, his um, attitude was to contain it. And his argument was, if it's not ISIS, it'll be another kind of extremist group as in like obviously ISIS formed after Al-Qaeda so right. if it's not them it'll be somebody else so it's easy, It's just as easier to contain it than to fight it but it feels like the attitude that the same attitude that was towards Vietnam which they didn't really want to get out of Vietnam they wanted that to be kind of an endless war and it just feels like it's for profit to some degree for sure you know and, and that's what it's sure. like well I feel like it's difficult because there's, I, I don't know, I think there was more fight against the war on Iraq, but there has been some protests against what's happening in Syria, but like nothing, there's no give. I mean, it's super complicated in Syria as yeah. well because... The location. Yeah, but also not, there are, it's hard to find allies, I think, that you can get behind there. Yeah. Like the, 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 there are so many angry groups for different reasons. And I, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 you know, I know Syrian refugees and I, I know people who have like, who have experience and they are quite divided on who, who, who and how right. uh, it should be solved. 
Like, um, well, I just think Assad needs to get overthrown, right? Right. I, I, I. I well, yeah. There <laughs> are lots of people who think but that. Probably but it's like, how do you overthrow it? Yeah. And like, it is complicated because Western intervention generally does cause more problems. But you know, Assad is absolutely terrifying. But then, so was Saddam Hussein. Like, there's lots of terrifying uh, people who it's hard. Like, if we sweep in and solve in inverted covers Syria, we won't solve it. No, but I'm, at the same time, yeah. we, we, if we stand by and do nothing while terrible things happen, yeah. then that's also bad too. So, I mean, and when I say we, I just, I mean the government. I don't mean, like, us personally. I don't, no, I don't, no. and I, but, but, and that's, that's a problem in itself. This mm. us and them, this we, who are the we, who are, like, yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know the answers to any of that. It's like, they have to try and be diplomatic, but it's such a violent and tricky situation to right. apply diplomacy. So, right. yeah. And negotiation with terrorists is a strange one as well. Like, I always think, well, yeah, you probably should negotiate. But then with... they're winning, right? Well, I don't know. Like, like it's complicated. Terrorism is, again, a complicated thing. Many, many people who have been freedom fighters are called terrorists. Yes. So it's really hard to say, like, you know, Assad would call the people he's fighting against terrorists. Yes. Uh, and, but, and, and they would call him a terrorist. Yeah. Like, I would say sometimes both of those sides are terrorists. I don't know. Like, who, who the hell knows? They're still human beings. If you want to solve things, you've got to get to a point where you talk to the people. Like, you have to involve the people who don't want to listen yeah. at some point. They yeah. have to be integrated. Otherwise, you know, it's just murdering each other forever yeah. I don't know I don't know I just don't think that the <laughs> word terror or terrorist should have been invented because yeah, I think fair. there was there was terrorism or quote unquote terrorism before and it's created an industry to a degree like there's, there's kind of people there's think tanks now right. who have to try right. and intervene and tell us how to think and tell us um, how scared we should be and how we should live in fear and how bad it is and how you should really conform to all the changes and lose all of your rights and your freedom to kind of like this because sometimes when terrorism dies down pardon the pun there are obviously those fear mongers that are around they kind of crop up out of the woods and and to keep their job and to keep their livelihoods they have to kind of uh make you feel like it's a real threat and they do that so so i think they're all murderers whoever you know like assad right. and stuff, they're murderers Murder, so yeah. you don't need a special police against you know because and it is a special police against Muslim to a degree. Definitely. I don't say that. I'll it's definitely true. I'm not. I'm not but definitely not arguing. Yeah, that. I mean, it's just. <laughs> it, it's just. I don't think anybody would really kind of like. It's, it's hard not to have that view, right? right? And I'm not saying that because I feel bitter or anything. I'm just saying that from what I can observe, it feels like a special police force against kind of Muslims and. Uh, maybe, like you said, in terms of negotiating with terrorists, if people want to understand Muslims or Islam better, you just need to come and talk to us. Like, right. the same way we're having this podcast. But like, that's not negotiating with terrorists. That's just talking yeah, to people. Yeah, because yeah. the thing is, like, that's the real big problem, that people, like, take this massive religion, like, masses of different groups of people, not even everybody of the same race, no. like, right the way across the globe. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's big. Why would we assume that everybody from that group is the same and has the same kind of like relationship with Islam yeah. or like has the same form of Islam. Well, right? this has just been a very recent in terms of our existence on the planet, right? I mean, suicide bombing, and we could, obviously it goes far back, but not to the way that it has um, kind of, I suppose, taken off, if that's a bit weird to say, but it's kind of like gotten worse over the last few years. And it's hard to take evidence from someone who's killed themselves. So you can't really, there isn't enough, I think, sometimes wanting to understand what 
push them to it. Well, they don't give their testimony, right? Because they just kill themselves. But I mean, it's that's what kind of interests me in terms of what, what is the breaking point that they get to and maybe how we can stop it because I don't think it's healthy behaviour, you know. I think there's an element of, and I don't know if you classify it as a religious uh, kind of uh, act or not, but what it is is if you have so little to live for or nothing to live for, the only way you can win is by taking someone down with you mm. and that's what i think yeah. is a huge element of i don't think that it's um selfless act i think it's a selfish act because mm. um if whatever you want to do to yourself but when you're trying to kill innocent people and take people down with you then i think that's not your decision to make absolutely so that's very you know dangerous and stuff but i think the way it's become like you say generalized i feel a very big problem for the generation at the moment from like those three girls and stuff because they're going to have to live with a stigma attached with without you know with the whole war on terror they're kind of the war on terror's casualties right. and it's kind of because it because i'm fully grown so i remember 9-11 but they're post 9-11 so yeah. they don't remember the world before that and it's obviously a bit tricky for them and it could have psychological consequences because they've kind of been brought into that type of mentality from such a young age so they don't even have the conception of normality so uh, at least I can remember there was a time where people would just make up conversation with me obviously the war on terror you know they used to say your your hair scarf's got a nice colour or you know when you're having your arranged marriage that type of racism (laughs) you know I miss that type of racism the old type of kind of nuanced stuff and um, (laughs) I really miss that it's nostalgic for me and I think obviously the war on terror set us back and Whilst now it's less uncomfortable than it has been in the last few years, it, I just feel worried because any time somebody in the media or whatever decides to change it back to that pace, then it could go all, all Pete Tong again. Well, I'm interested that you find it less so at okay, the moment. Okay, yes, Because I, I feel like after Brexit, I feel like everything went back up again. And particularly at the moment, there's like real kind of hate from the front of the Daily Mail around uh, around Muslims but this time not terrorist Muslims but uh, again uh, a similar a similar kind of like let's tar everybody from a group because of some terrible individuals like, it's an improvement for us Dave it's a, it's a bloody improvement it's not perfect but I'll take what I can get Jesus. I'm grateful for the I'm grateful for the reprieve I mean I believe you like I'm not dis- no no I would I would I would have a go if I felt it was bad I would tell you that boy things are bad right now but I, I think and I genuinely think it's because of Trump that things have improved regardless of that being his intention I think that um, because he became the new big bad then there's a lot more kind of coverage about that and everything's becoming a little bit trivial or sensationalised and everybody's feeling outraged or offended and so it's slightly distracted it from the solely anti-Muslim propaganda that was going on it's kind of like it's like a ripple effect in the sea so it's kind of like there's like you say there's other minority groups being pulled in which isn't great but either way some of the heat for me I feel has come off but I think what's worrying is that you know when we as Muslims if we have to lose our rights ultimately that's going to affect everybody else so it's probably hard because I don't know what it's like from the non-Muslim perspective but it's probably hard when everybody's having a go at that one group but if you're not part of it to a degree you feel a bit superior and you feel well what can I do about it but then if you you don't realise that once one group loses their rights it's only as an experiment to then affect everybody else yeah, in one way or another absolutely and that's how that's how i see 
see the situation but yeah. I agree not not that many people it seems at times do but then that's it like I know what you mean about Trump like even though it's it's I mean it's it's terrifying what he's doing and it may very well work out yeah. that, that it, it works out terrible for everyone regardless <laughs> like he's gone so far that a lot of people can't can't stand there like yeah. people have had to go oh hang on whoa it's, that's it's, genocide and then it, and that's and that line like yeah. the fact that he his muslim ban didn't include any country that actually had committed any terrorism on, on u.s soil that kind of ridiculous hypocrisy yeah. is clear to people finally the the kind of blurred vision that they had these sunglasses that they were wearing where they thought they were okay yeah it's gone and you know that obama had a muslim ban you know that so right 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 so right i'm not a, suggesting so, that he's no, no, not no, no. so part i of think a, yeah exactly right. i think that they're all pretty much as bad as each other and i think that people are quite it's amusing to me how much that they, they openly hate Trump but it's a lot of energy that they're fostering that's achieving nothing apart from perhaps making them feel more self-righteous or, or making them feel like a do-gooder but I, I, all this hate and, and energy that they're spewing is not really achieving anything so I feel unless you're actually trying to get change then just moaning about something I mean sure if there's something you disagree with then it's good to voice that but some of the people are just being so like you know petty and then it's going to be god forbid like george bush where everybody stopped hating him this is the minute he was out right. of the office he's cuddly now yeah. it's disgusting and it's right i remember when i was like yeah. that guy is the worst yeah, guy yeah, yeah. on the planet and and it's the same thing i think um it's just systematic to hate the president whoever he was i'm so glad that hillary clinton didn't get in i have to say and they're going to just probably hate the next guy as well but it's like you know there's got to be a better way of running things I yeah, think. I mean, I hope that there is a better way of running things, generally speaking. But how how we get there, I don't I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I like Kanye West, but I don't think he him running for president as he threatened <laughs> would be the solution. Neither do I think Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, running either. No, like, I, I think they need. Mean. They're so obsessed with celebrities. I'll be surprised if we don't get someone like just as a figurehead. And I know he doesn't tell you the things that you want to hear, but sometimes, I mean, I do appreciate one thing in Trump is that he'll just, at least, well, okay, obviously he tweets way too much, but he doesn't sugarcoat things. And maybe people are so used to being lied to by their politicians that it's not a language they understand. Not that I'm saying he's not a liar, but I think right. he just doesn't understand the mean. difference between the truth or the lie. Yeah, so yeah. there's just no zhuzhing up or there's no fluff in his language perhaps we certainly know what he thinks or feels feels more than thinks it's very rapid and and obviously just because we know what he thinks doesn't mean we understand what he thinks but um yeah i i just don't understand the hate because ultimately they did vote for him okay fine people say clinton got more votes but under the system they voted for him so you can moan afterwards it's like the same way the people who moaned after brexit but I guess it's where he go- it's where he goes though. It's it's whether the kind of white nationalists or what Nazis, let's call them Nazis, yeah. at Charlottesville, like if 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 that become like we don't know where Trump goes if that base that he has certainly benefited from gets more and more emboldened. Like we don't know where that goes, and and Trump, like he may he, he, like it's 
we don't know either way. He's so terrible in some ways uh, and different in some ways that it might cause a complete system change. And that would be brilliant, uh, potentially. Depends mm. on the system. Yeah. But it might also kind of go towards... I mean, fascism is definitely something that I think about a lot at the moment. Yeah. And, 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 and how you get there and where we, how, how far along we already are. Um, and so, yeah, it's hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, well, Trump's... Uh, Trump's, you know, a refre- like a breath of fresh air. In some ways he is, but in some ways it, it, I don't know where that air is going to. The, the first thing... <laughs> I mean, I think I do, and I don't want it to go there. Basically. No, I understand. <laughs> I mean, the first thing I have, to, I have to admit that when I heard about Charlottesville was relief because, don't hate me, but it's just because... <laughs> Uh, it, sometimes we're led to believe that this racism is a myth. Yeah. And it was really f- kind of like, not just from the perspective that great, you know, they're not a terrorist group, but I mean, in terms of like the way that the media defines terrorists, they're not like a, a militants or fundamentally. Well, they are fundamentalists, but I guess what I'm saying is that it was, okay, so this does happen. So then people do have to acknowledge that right. this is a feeling and this this needs to kind of be addressed because otherwise it just felt like when I think ethnic people was kind of complaining about racism and then other people were kind of like, what racism? Right. So it kind of did help me yeah, it's not just in my head. Right. It, there's a, there is a face to it. And I don't know, like you said, I don't think that anybody in Charlottesville deserves a hug right now. But I think we should, you know, try and understand it to a degree Absolutely, as well, I rather than just being all kind of uh, judgmental and, you know, what is, you know, kind of, um, I think there's just a lot of, you know, anger and kind of animosity and and all the things that you can understand why but you also have to get to the bottom of it as well right we want to stop it happening again yeah if you want it to stop it from happening again you have to work out how to stop it and if you you if you respond to hate with hate right well then why are they going to change their view so i'm not saying like you said i don't think that we should love or hug them you know it's just going to become no i'm right no i'm right no i'm right Right. and then they're going to become you know connected with the pamela gellers and the anti-muslim groups and they'll become tougher and they'll be they will become kind of a force to be reckoned with if we don't deal with it in a practical and measured way rather than coming just from an emotional way because everybody's outraged everybody's shocked and everybody's offended and that's it's easy to be upset about things but you have to push past sometimes you know how you feel emotionally and kind of make sure that it's dealt with as well yeah i mean i can see the argument for that for sure and like i think the problem is though that that's it's been festering for so long and people haven't been dealing with it that it has got stronger and stronger and stronger and that there is a complicated time when i believe the best way to answer hate is with love but sometimes love means being hard to someone right it might mean you know like you know I, i i wouldn't advise parents to show the kind of tough love we might have to show to Nazis but like that's the wrong time to do it but once they're adults and they're facing you know in your face like there, there does come a time when you have to I mean, I say this as someone I'm like, pretend, uh, you know, in in theory, I'm a pacifist. I don't, I, yeah. don't, I certainly don't uh, want to do any kind of anger oh, yeah. or violence. But at the same time, if people are attacking my friends and my family or even me, then, I, you know, self-defense is, is reasonable. Yeah, I, I think it's a last resort. <laughs> it's only because yeah. I don't like to get sweaty and, <laughs> right. and I don't want to leave a mark on my face and right, stuff. Right, right, like, right. And invariably the hijab will get pulled off and... <laughs> I probably, you know, it's a bad hair day or something. But you're, 
I just think it has come out of nowhere for us. But like you say, for them, it's probably been festering yeah, and under, sure. under the surface for so long. Which that... the history of America is racism. So yes. you know, it's there within culture. Yeah, yeah. And like what, what I hear from a lot of people of colour is that they can deal much more easily. And I don't want to speak for all people of colour, but certainly I've heard from many pe- people of colour, mm. overt racism is easier to deal with than yeah. the covert racism oh. that's all oh, around yeah. you, right? I think you, you're comfortable speaking on behalf of all of us. <laughs> that You can take that. That's a really true. You can't fight what you can't see. Right. And and um, we can't come into your head and like be psychotic and say, you know, you are a racist or whatever. We can't force people because I think there might be elements of white guilt or there might be elements of denial or, or people people don't really understand how they feel because they haven't really eared it out to anybody apart from maybe if they're at a drunk party or something, right. which they still haven't really gone through why or what it means to them or how to d- deal with it. I don't know if anybody isn't a little bit racial maybe not racist but i think we all see other people we've kind of put things in boxes yeah we fear difference yeah. generally speaking like we, we can like the the reclassification of racism which I, I i agree with it's a useful classification is like it's it's bigotry plus power right mm. um but like everybody has bigotry they just yeah. don't necessarily have the power i think, <laughs> I think there's yeah, and i'm not saying yes, that, you know i'm not yeah. saying that 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 everyone's a, at heart a bigger either. I think no. people do also want to want to connect with people who are different from them. That we have this kind of conf- conflict within ourselves. I, 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 I don't know if it's like a bit old-fashioned, but I really think <laughs> that sometimes when you hate someone, it's more about you than it is about that person. So whether it's homophobia or whether yeah. it's kind of any other like racism, there's something in you and the hate is affecting you. Yeah. It doesn't always affect, like obviously unless you do kill them, it, it doesn't affect the object of your hate. It affects you because at, it, hate is kind of like in, in Chinese medicine, hate is in the heart and it's not going to affect you positively. It's negative energy, right? right? So it is more about them. It might have been something that happened to them in their childhood. I'm not trying to justify it, but they it has come from somewhere whether it was the way they were raised and their parents kind of encouraged that it could be that and so it's something that you know some people want to deal with and be open-minded and other people are just you know more comfortable with their own and then the difficulty with that is that they think that other people are like them as well so then they think that well those lot want to be with their own as well and so if both sides aren't kind of assimilating then you kind of have this standoff a little bit and then when the situation arises, which inevitably it will, they don't know how to kind of communicate or deal with each other, which is obviously inflamed by social media and media in general. And you kind of put things in your head that perhaps aren't really in reality, but it kind of makes you either defensive or fearful maybe of of the other. Right. (laughs) So it's a tricky one. I don't think either of us are going to have solutions to this complexity, oh, are we? No, no, no. If only. <laughs> the world's just been waiting for this podcast to be recorded and then we were like, solve racism, we'll solve everything. We've only got seven hours left. <laughs> <laughs> when did you decide to like become a comedian? Like, When did comedy kind of come into your life? Um, I, I always say, I think comedy chose me and I don't think I chose comedy because I think I was like... I really liked laughing and it's not only because it really diffuses some situations so sometimes um, my earliest memory I was on a plane and 
the air hostess was a bit annoyed and then I think I said something sarcastic and she started laughing and I was like that's kind of powerful like to be able to just like it's a tool it was sometimes you can use it a bit as a bit of a defense um I love a bit of being self-deprecating as well it's my also my draw to it is is it's kind of relationship with honesty I think I'm really obsessed with the truth I don't think we get enough of the truth in these days but um you have to be really honest and authentic for it to actually click and and resonate with the audience because they can smell bullshit um so i really like that element like politicians have to lie comedians have to tell the truth right interesting. so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that's an interesting that, yeah that's interesting i mean i think not all not all i don't think all comedians do tell the truth i and think some of them lie no, I mean, exactly yeah. no, no, that's true i mean th- there will be a, a couple of politicians who don't lie yeah but like there's more comedians who lie i think but like the best ones the ones that resonate with me yes. that connect with me the most are the ones who get into the truth as yeah. much as, as possible because yeah. i think the truth is fascinating and and you know you can you make up kind of wonderful stories but i think kind of you can sniff that out if it's if it's true or false right so i think it it's kind of like um also looking at sometimes something very simple uh something that you think that you know you wouldn't really make people laugh but it's actually not having to make it over complicated and just being you know truthful about something very simple and mundane it can be really wonderful when it's kind of really works and it's a, it's kind of humorous to everybody it's quite yeah. fun it's quite cool i can't think of a routine that i'm trying to get to probably just like i guess uh, michael mcintyre's sock drawer or something like that you know right. you wouldn't really think that that's funny but it takes a lot of bravery to kind of execute that so yeah. i think that's cool yeah i mean and and, and so yeah and like how did you get into comedy? Yeah, okay. I was at a call centre. <laughs> I really was. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, I, I, I read your Wikipedia page <laughs> oh, okay. before you came. That's the, the extent of my prep. That's cool. It, it <laughs> lies about my age, um, which is great. So believe my age on there. So, um, so I was at a call centre and then I kind of had a meeting with my manager. You have these like appraisals and they were like, what do you want to do? I didn't want to be at the call centre. Um, so I said, you know, I would love to write. And Deborah Francis White was actually doing, she's a comedian, and she was on the cover of, of the Banks magazine at that point. So they put me in touch with the editor who asked Deborah if she'd meet with me. And Deborah was like, yeah, and that was cool. So I met her and then... Like she said, show me some of your writing. So I took it along and she said, these are jokes. And I said, yeah, I, I like to write jokes. And she said, why don't you do stand up? And I said, no, I don't want to like, because I think I lost my, my gut for a presentation after drama, GCSE. And you know, if you haven't done it for a while, yeah. there's a, I don't know why there's such a big fear of um, public speaking, but it is a huge one. So after two weeks of meeting her, kind of she'd set my first gig up with funny women. And uh, yeah, I, did it I really liked it I really laughed um, so I didn't look back it was quite good nice yeah <laughs> yeah and, and yeah that and yeah I mean I know Deborah a bit because I've like uh, I've I've booked her to do gigs I've not had her on this show yet sure. I, I hope to when one day but I like like she has this a similar like I, I don't necessarily always agree with everything that she says about feminism or whatever no. but she gets that if you've got privilege like use it to help other people to yeah. kind of access the same area of, of of the world like that you can that you've got the keys for if you like yeah. and I think it's, it's, it's it was interesting like when I was reading the Wikipedia page to go oh wow uh, like De- Deborah had was like instrumental in some ways yes, in, like yeah. in giving in helping you to find the platform that you deserve yeah well she showed me kind of like you know the circuit and things that I 
possibly like I could have Googled but didn't know. Like you don't know what you don't know. Right, and right. I think it was kind of really good to, to talk to Deborah about it because I think um, sometimes like similarly with racism if you air out some of your anxieties about public speaking um you kind of realize that it's not really it's just more of a fear of the unknown right and uh she was just like always kind of really there willing to listen and kind of help with little bits and stuff yeah like that. So, i mean public speaking is really interesting because it's like it's really low stakes because yeah. you're not gonna die nothing bad's no gonna happen to you you. <laughs> you know you're just standing you're, you're speaking people are listening and that's it like but it's something that people do worry so much about even though it's so low the stakes are so low i think it's um third maybe no, like no, I the get last it, time i checked it. after i think after death dealing with death and after moving house it's like the third biggest stressor or something like that yeah I think so yeah it's like really high up on the list and um, I think once you've done it a few times it's not bad at all and it's like especially with stand up it's a really great way of connecting with a whole group of people that you would never probably have connected with and I think it's very unique as well it's like I really like it you've been doing stand up wearing a headscarf yeah and that must be interesting like the it must be awkward for the audience Um, (laughs) no i don't think so no no i don't think so i think um but we all get judged by how we look to a certain extent and and they will have certain preconceptions that you will then be able to play with in whatever way so it might be a gift to you as a comedian i think it is i think um i think women get a tough time in comedy and i think wearing the headscarf takes my my femaleness away i've noticed that it's kind of like um made me gender neutral to a degree and that makes me feel like i can i can mess around and and it does give a shock factor sometimes because sometimes uh like appearing on smut slam what i'm saying isn't sometimes what they'd expect from someone who looks like me um I think that they do get past it, but I think that, yeah, there is a bit of a shock factor sometimes. Yeah, I bet. And and you chose to do that, like, later in, like, later in your life. Like, you, you didn't grow up with a headscarf. No. Um, I was dumb enough to wear it after 9-11. Right, after was, 9-11. Was that the thing that kind of inspired it? Do I don't... Think, or like... I didn't do it the day after. I didn't right. do it on the 10th of September. I think I did it two years later. I think I did it in 2013. And it was purely because... I was just doing a lot of reading on the religion and I went to a Saturday school when I was younger where we just learned like uh, maths, English, science and we were we wore it at that age. So I think from a young age I had this idea that I should wear it but um, I always felt like a chicken for not wearing it. So it was something I wanted to kind of prove to myself that mm. I'm not a chicken, that I can do it. But looking back, I know that it like my life could be so different like I would love to sit here and say you know I've had the same life as I would have if I didn't wear it but actually like you know boys um, don't like me because of it (laughs) always discouraged boys or men shall I say I'm not into boys uh, really anything over 30 please (laughs) but yeah so um, it's like really really has changed my life so I, I would just say to anybody to really think about wearing it before you wear it because you just don't know what you're getting into. I'm not trying to give it a bad rap. I might get a lot of um Well, you still wear it, feedback. right? So yeah. on, on, even though you've had these complicated responses, you've yeah. still chosen to continue to wear it. Yeah, um, what it is, is I think it was kind of like a trick when I wore it because at, at that time, society was like, you know, it was accepted and it wasn't taboo. And then kind of extremism and war and terror took off and then we became kind of um i don't know what the word is we kind of became pigeonholed to a degree and so 
that's not what I bought into. So I feel a bit conned, but I don't feel like I should take it off because then they win. Yeah. But then also I get this whole added baggage that I didn't sign up for and I had no no kind of anticipation that that would happen it was just like it used to be fun I used to go to shops and say what color I'm gonna wear it used to be like a real good time and and it's a bit of a celebration like you know I get to wear different colors and have a bit of a different kind of look sometimes and it, it was not that I'm trying to say I wore it out of fashion it was to try and be modest but um it's ownership and identity is not really with me anymore right it's been taken away so i now i'm wearing something but that it's already got all these preconceived notions that weren't attached when i chose to wear right. it and therefore that this is why i would say that if you are going to wear it um if there's any muslims listening that you'd need to think carefully about what it will do um, how it'll affect you because it's not now something free it's now there is a quite a costly price tag associated with wearing it right I mean, yeah, absolutely. And like, it's really complicated that it's a really like it's a, a kind of bitter irony, I feel like, <laughs> that, 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 that women with headscarves are like visibly Muslim. Yeah. And so so even though most of the hate within the media is attacking Muslim men, I would yeah. say, yes, yes. like I'm not saying that I'm not saying it doesn't touch everybody, no, no, but, sure. but 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 the w- Muslim women are the ones who are paying the price for that because they're yeah. visibly Muslims. Right. And that's yeah. a real complication. Like it's like the idea. Like I, I, I can't. I know that we, you know, we're talking about sympathising and understanding, like empathising, finding out why people feel the way they do. But I feel like it's really hard to understand. Like a man going, like, there's a, a woman with a headscarf that outrages me. I'm gonna like, like, like attack that person. Like, what the. F- fuck is going on in that person's mind and no stuff's going on but yeah. i find it really hard to understand i i i don't i think like normal people like you and me um and i don't normally <laughs> call myself normal but compared to that type right of guy, i don't call myself I normal either. <laughs> yeah. but compared to them we're normal so for us it might be if we just missed our train the frustration that you right, experience yeah. so it's so so it's in us all oh, of yeah, us yeah sure i'm not saying i'm not no no no, I'm, no, no, yeah, no 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 but i have hate but, inside but me too, not yeah. not to that degree where no. i'm just like you i don't get how they could kind of justify attacking anybody let alone a woman yeah in such you know a cold cold attack um and and what but what does the scarf represent to them that they feel is that they need to rip it off? Right. So it's it's like it's almost like they think we've got Islam on our head and we're like, look at me, I'm like in your country, and I'm like rubbing in their face. Whereas yes. it's more of a personal thing. Mm. It's like I've never expected my friends to wear it because I'm wearing it, or you know, I talk about hair. I, I, your hair's nice, Dave. <laughs> I, I don't feel awkward about you know. I just I feel like um I'd love to get under it. I'd love to know what what their issue is. Is, but like right. it's kind of maybe they don't even know but I think I think that is perhaps them thinking we're taking over and that's obviously been um, conditioned in in some sort of kind of uh, articles and you know with with certain tabloids that kind of give them the impression that that's what we're here to do and by 2040 that the population of Muslims is going to outpass the population of Christians and all that fear-mongering but um yeah, I don't, I don't know why they do that. No, yeah. I mean, and it's interesting that you, like, you mentioned my hair as well, but it, like, I'm not claiming in any way that I get kind of the same kind of response that, no. that, a, that a Muslim has, like walking down the street. But sure, but sure, sure. Th- the longer my hair gets, oh. the more grief I get on the streets. And I used to get, I used to have long hair when I was a teenager. Yeah, I used yeah, to get yeah. that grief, and so I, 
I've definitely been in that position of like this thing I do for me. Yeah. I have to decide whether I want to carry on getting that kind of uh, much lesser, but still yeah. intimidating in some ways. Uh, abuse. Because they think you're making a statement. That's yeah, what it right, is. right, right, right. And... I'm challenging something about the, yeah. like their masculinity or yeah. their like you know it's all like Jesus is what mostly gets showered at me because oh, I got a beard, really? which isn't that bad. Like I'm not saying being, I mean I'm the wrong ethnicity for Jesus, but at the end of the day, like it's not the worst thing to have showered at you in the streets. It's, it's not really the same rude. as terrorist, it's right? Really rude. It's still rude. Yeah. And I was called an Arab, which I think is rude as well. Only because I've been from East I've been born in East right. like, all my life. But right. I think um I think yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think you're making a statement by being different. Right. And uh different isn't celebrated and that's the problem. Right. right. And it doesn't have to be, you know, all of these labels. It's just that we are all different anyway. We are. Right, right, so right. Not, I don't know two Muslims the same. Right. They pray at different right, times. Either, yeah. You know, pray. They try and pray at the same time, but, you know, they're praying different ways, perhaps, or follow different schools of thought. Right. Like you said, different scholars. And, uh,. We just have to be acceptant of our differences. And, like, you know, you don't have to agree. Like, I have people who, um, even I follow on Twitter, who I don't really agree with everything that they say, but I stand for their right to say it. And the same way, I'm pretty, pretty sure that they don't really agree with everything I say, but there's parts of what I, what I say that they probably enjoy or maybe they're just scared to unfollow me. I don't know, but um, <laughs> but they still follow me. Where I, I you know... Everybody's a little bit different, but, you know, you can kind of take, like you said before, you can take bits and bobs and take some and leave some. Right. You don't have to... The thing about the attacks on the Muslim women is is that I don't think that Muslim women kind of are telling anybody how to be, you know, we're not kind of like saying, you know, this is how you should live your life. Like, I don't really think that they even make a noise and so... It's not that they haven't earned the beating. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying that they kind of, um, they kind of like really, really subdued or, or quiet. So for them, for them to be attacked, it's like how much more withdrawn do you need somebody to be? Right. They're not in your face, really. I mean, that's what I think. Like, it, like it's, it's, it's almost like there's two things going on in the people's mind when they're making that attack. Like, one is the hate that they feel, yeah. but the other is like cowardice. It's like that person isn't a threat to me, mm. so I can attack that person okay. for being a threat to me. Yeah. Like, it's that's what I feel. Like, it's like it's like why are you attacking someone who you pretty sure you can win? Yeah. Like, it's like you know. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's well, super I, weird. I, I think that they've got to the point where um, they feel that they've stood on the sidelines, stood back for long enough, Ugh, yeah, and yeah, then they sure. feel like I have to do something. And then, yes, with this person who I can completely take on, now's the perfect time. And it's like a penny drops for them or something like that. But I mean, them taking a scarf off somebody or even beating someone up—I'm not really sure how that's going to help them win. And I think after they've kind of done it, and the whole adrenaline's going down and and they've got it out of the system probably they feel a bit of remorse because they can't add it up there's obviously ones that probably would love to keep doing it to every Muslim right. in the country but then some of them probably think oh shit what will I do I hope I hope that the, you know they, they realise once they've done it that it wasn't what they thought it'd be right I hope <laughs> so too yeah I mean yeah and it's 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 an interesting time to be yeah, to be talking about these issues, and like when you're, so, and also you're, you're, you're a Muslim woman on the streets, but you're also a Muslim woman on social media. I mean, yeah. like, is that like, how, how, is 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 that like just 
adding to the kind of amount of people telling you what they think of you in in nice and not nice ways? Um, I feel like I'm quite lucky um, in terms of, like, so far, Touchwood. I haven't had serious, like, trolling or anything, abuse. What I don't like is I get a lot of men from Pakistan or India, like, just giving me, like, too much attention, like, sometimes sending me their phone numbers or silly things like that. Sometimes I, I think people don't know how to take me. I think that they're quick to, you know, decide. If if I'm for them, they'll carry on following me, or if I'm not for them, then they'll choose to unfollow. Uh, you do get the odd weird comments, but I think then, to be honest, that's expected. So yeah, it's not. It's, I don't really get a lot of um, specific Muslim focused. Uh, right. <laughs> I mean that's good. At least yeah. it's, at least it's better on social media than it is on the streets in some ways. I guess it sounds. Yeah, like. I don't know. I mean, I think I've fallen out of love with social media. Right. I, I think Twitter was really good, and I think at the minute it just feels like a lot of people stating the obvious, getting a lot of kind of praise for stating the obvious, or uh, like it's a bit of a popularity contrast. And sometimes it's it like with any media. I think sometimes it's quite insightful, and I think that's dangerous. I think to always kind of trigger like the news to keep you clicking and to keep you reading they try and tug at your emotional buttons and you know I've I've kind of fallen foul of it in terms of letting things get to me um in the past but now I've kind of realized that that's not really going to achieve anything for me just getting upset or for me feeling maybe even angry about something it's I, I need to kind of be bigger than that and I think that that's what the media in order to kind of stay relevant and, and keep getting the clicks and, and the attention it kind of gives us buzz topics and, and buzzwords to show us how we should be kind of um, responding so it kind of pulls our strings a little bit rather than inform us and tell us information and, and report the facts and let us decide ourselves how to feel yeah I mean yeah I think that, that that's definitely there's that, yeah I feel like yeah that's definitely something I feel a little bit I feel like I still love social media but I definitely feel like I'm I'm much more cautious about saying things on social media as well now like I'm like yeah do I need to share every single thought like do I need to say that like which is good and bad I think it means that I feel like in some ways I I'm less myself now Uh publicly because I don't want to so Zuckerberg's controlling us right 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 and that's dangerous like um I kind of sometimes post about some silly sex stuff and um, I did get a Facebook message telling me that it wasn't kind of the values that the the Facebook community appreciated and um, I felt like years in I don't feel like I can kind of share my jokes and stuff so how much before that becomes the way we change and that becomes the new us uh, and we kind of lose those strands of us that we actually were right so it's dangerous it's well, also, dangerous you, you look at the social media feed and you're like oh there's all of these serious things happening in the world uh-huh. i've got this silly thing i was going to say <laughs> oh i don't know if i'll say no, it but you should, you should. You don't, <laughs> but we don't need more of that silliness yeah. i think in a way but i think it, the irreverence right because yeah. um i think people are taking themselves really seriously and um i think sometimes people like to feel bad so you know whether it's feeling bad about charlottesville or, or something else like people it, it kind of makes them feel good if they feel bad because it makes
makes them think, oh, look how um, empathetic I am. Look how kind of good I am I'm giving my attention or something to, to something. And I think people need to take a step back and actually having those kind of jokes or, or kind of funny tweets and stuff, it kind of helps balance all, yeah. of, all of that kind of yeah, um, yeah. pressure things. I'm not saying that there aren't times where you're genuinely going to feel bad about something and, and need to post about it. But it seems like that's all that's going on at the minute or not even at the minute, it's like quite recently all the time and it's just kind of like hot air yeah. and nothing's getting done about it so yeah <laughs> I you know I, I know what you mean I know what you mean I mean so yeah it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you Thank today you. Like, it's been really interesting the way like I didn't know where the conversation was going to fully go and we've it's actually been a really surprising conversation for oh. me which I guess says some stuff about my own preconceptions like I didn't expect you know, necessarily like you to be sort of seeing some value within Trump or like some <laughs> or like you know necessarily like uh, t- talking about the nuances in feminism, that's been really good, um, and like I like to be challenged. Oh, and cool. that's, so that's good. <laughs> um, so the the last question that I ask everybody is, do you have anything to plug? Uh huh. Well, I do, but it's stuff that's still being ironed out. So um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, which um, well, well, trying not to take myself too seriously. It's Sadia underscore Asmats with an S at the end underscore. Excellent, and that's where you'll post about your upcoming shows yeah. and uh, like your, your the book that you're yeah. working on that we haven't even we haven't really talked about. But then, I, like if you're writing it, it's not necessarily the right time. Like it's like uh-huh. when you're when you're promoting it, I guess yes. is when you when you can have decided what you want to reveal yet to, yeah. to an audience. Yeah, I mean, I think like well, when you're writing, you're kind of going on a journey with the characters, aren't you? For sure. So um, anything could change. Anything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, I get that. So yeah, the last thing I ask my guests uh, to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Oh, thank you so much for listening um, and kind of staying with us. Um, (laughs) It's been lovely. Uh, Thank you, Dave. And thank you for listening, guys. Bye, everyone. (laughs) And you can hear my solo show, What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity. As a podcast, it's available on the Stand Up Tragedy podcast feed. It's the last podcast that went out on that feed. You can also read more about the show over on its website, mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk. And I also reflected on that show in BBC Radio 4's Forethought episode, Liberating Men. And you can find that via Google. As well as making Getting Better Acquainted, I also co-produce and, I guess, star in the magical realist audio drama podcast, The Family Tree. Season one of The Family Tree is available to listen to on the website, thefamilytreepodcast.co.uk. But even more exciting than season one is from August, season two of The Family Tree begins. In order to keep making it and to make season two as good as we want it to be, we need your help. So if you can afford to, then please do consider signing up to our Patreon appeal. You can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like Getting Better Acquainted on Facebook and you can find Getting Better Acquainted on iTunes, SoundCloud, those kind of places. But remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted.